All right. So today I want to continue the reading of Tao Te Ching and make commentary on the chapters as we go along. Uh, today we start with chapter three, <clears throat> and probably we'll be able to get to four and possibly five. When and again, what I'll be doing is reading first the Arthur. I'll send the link. Let me send the link for everybody. All right. So it's uh, wengu.tartary.com. Dao Ching three, and at the top of the page, you'll see the original Chinese and some various translations. We'll be looking particularly at Whaley and Lao. Arthur Whaley, D.C. Lau, <clears throat> and compare the translations. Uh, when we look at today, chapter three, as we will now, or we are now, you're going to see more of this, um, what I would call a somewhat heavy-handed uh, political uh, perspective which is not how most people think of the Tao Te Ching. So there are lots of uh, folks that are spiritually minded <clears throat> and uh, see the Tao Te Ching only as the high philosophy of harmony with nature, uh, non-forcing, uh, flowing with phenomena, with, with life, um, somewhat of an Aikido, type approach like the Japanese martial art where uh, one doesn't um, force conditions uh, to one's bend the world to one's will but conform <clears throat> one's will to the universal principles that's certainly I think at the heart of Tao Te Ching and Taoist uh, perspective but the Tao Te Ching was also used by legalists or what I would say is quasi-fascist uh, Chinese politicians or rulers in subsequent centuries, and you'll see that kind of uh, heavy-handed, top-down approach uh, in Chapter 3. And you'll see that the two translators handled the original text differently, uh, partly because it, 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 it's jarring or it's a little confusing or unpleasant, distressing to translate straight the heavy-handedness of some of the some of the teaching here. And so you'll see what I mean. Um, but there are some deeper principles in play, uh, meaning a few steps down, uh, there isn't there are integrating there, there are deeper integrating principles that that put together that, that makes sense of the um, the coupling of what is what could be called a pure Taoist philosophical approach, which is really for the sage or the individual that uh, doesn't want to make any trouble and doesn't want to control and wants to flow in harmony with principles of. of the world around them, versus the heavy-handedness of the certain teachings that are for the ruler. And so rulers in Chinese 
history have used the Dao Te Ching, again, in this heavy-handed way. Uh, but there are some deeper principles about understanding the universe as it is, and from that flow both what are traditionally felt to be Taoist teachings for the individual to be at peace and f to be at peace and harmony and balance in the world with the instructions to the leaders that seem heavy-handed. So I'll, I'll explain what that means as we go through it. So let's look at Whaley's translation, chapter 3, first uh, beginning. <clears throat> uh, Whaley translation, Da De Ching, chapter 3. Quote, If we stop looking for persons of superior morality, xian, which is a Chinese word, this phrase, persons of superior morality, if we stop looking for persons of superior morality to put in power, there will be no more jealousies among the people. If we cease to set store by products that are hard to get, there will be no more thieves. If the people never see such things as excite desire, their hearts will remain placid and undisturbed. Therefore the sage rules by emptying their hearts and filling their uh, sorry by emptying their hearts and filling their hearts, question mark, which means the translator is not sure what's going on, weakening their intelligence and toughening their sinews, meaning, uh, you know, the bones and <clears throat> ability to function in the body, ever striving to make the people knowledge less and desire less. Indeed, he sees to it that if there be any who have knowledge, they dare not interfere. Yet, through his actionless activity, all things are duly regulated. Now again, these, this is a translation from Arthur Whaley that I think it came out in the 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And so the language is um, not colloquial to today, uh, but I think we're smart enough to figure out what he means and understand the words. And I think that uh, we see here this, 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 what is felt by some as a paradox or uh, contradiction, where on the one hand, as I said, the Tao Te Ching is classically understood as teaching for the individual who wishes to be in balance, in harmony with creation, uh, not getting stuck in control, not getting stuck in um, duality to live in accord with the one that gave rise to polarity or duality alright so the uh, naturalistic philosophy naturalistic spiritual philosophy meanwhile <clears throat> here we have phrases like the sage is ruling emptying their hearts and actually <laughs> D.C. Lao translated it as weakens their wills but strengthens their bones and then weakens their intelligence and toughens their sinews uh, empties their minds and fills their bellies so empty their mind and fill their belly means what? make them stupid? weakens their intelligence? yeah, we can make them stupid weakens their will, weakens their intelligence that doesn't sound very kindly that sounds totally negative service to self toughens their body weakens their mind, weakens their heart, <laughs> weakens their will, and fills their stomach and makes them physically strong. Sounds like communism putting everybody back in 
labor camps in the countryside. Doesn't sound good to me. Um, and this is some of these. These are some of the platforms that later Chinese rulers, legalist tradition, which are very right-wing, fascistic, actually, took from the book and um, just used to justify their oppressive rule. Uh, meanwhile, there is again a unifying principle we can find, and we'll see it actually. We get to chapter four and five. So, on the face of it, uh, this is a chapter addressed to the the sage ruler. Um, there's a strong argument to be said that the sage would never be a ruler, and this is where we get. Uh, chapters in the Tao Te Ching that don't feel right to me and for some people that are you'll see as this contrast between chapter 3 and 4 when we get to 4 it doesn't sound the same this sounds like advice quasi-Taoist advice for a fascist authoritarian leader the first paragraph talking about stop looking for persons of superior morality it's translated by D.C. Lao as not to honor men of worth will keep the people from contention. So the idea is what? We want to keep society in harmony. Uh, we want to keep people from jealousies. By what? Um, not recognizing virtue? Not recognizing those that are more worthy than others? Or not uh, putting people of merit and virtue and honor into power? What what should we do? Have idiots in power? Or, ver or evil people? Well, that's not exactly what's being said here, <clears throat> but it's easily uh, misunderstood, and I cannot say I understand this fully. <laughs> this is one of the many, many chapters that we're going to be going through that uh, are mm, plainly um, not fully understood or not uh, plainly... Uh, evident, plainly un, not understood, not understood fully by me. Uh, clearly, I'm not really sure. Is this uh, guidance for fascist rulers with a Taoist cover, or a very subtle Taoist understanding uh, of how to rule or structure society to keep from conflict and? Uh, you you see you you have to struggle with this yourself if you want to figure it out because I can't fully tell you what it really means. Uh, it doesn't look to me. I mean, I can't agree that uh, we uh, that that society should be structured so that uh, people who have superior morality are kept out of power. I mean, clearly there are some people that are more have greater morality and understanding than others. There are people of greater worth and honor and love, <laughs> wisdom, than others. Uh, they should, you know, it's called meritocracy. I mean, is the idea we shouldn't, uh, Gautama shouldn't be the leader of the Sangha because some people will feel jealous? Um, senior monks or people with greater wisdom and virtue should not. Uh, should not have leadership positions because some of the people will will generate strife. Th these are mm, some of the, some of the questionable t 
teachings in the Tao Te Ching. Because uh, one can clearly have a meritocracy or a system based on merit and virtue. <laughs> I mean, that's the way higher dimensional societies operate. That's the way every uh, truly spiritual organization operates. People who are um, more selfless or of greater love wisdom, greater spiritual involvement and maturity and harmlessness have greater power and authority uh, because they're the, the those that are are not going to abuse it. And now certainly in fourth and fifth and sixth density groups, uh, there's no more significant service of self-activity anyway in positively oriented groups. They're really you don't have this, but we're talking about 3D, structuring a 3D society here. <clears throat> and the basic idea is uh, duality makes trouble, or um, it's actually very similar to Ra's teaching that it's not for a being of polarity in 3D to pick and choose among qualities in mind, one's own mind, that they will love and hate. And so... <clears throat> This is a very, it's a stretch, <laughs> stretching these, uh, the, the teachings in chapter 3 of the Tao Te Ching to touch Ra's guidance for how to effect healing and balance for oneself, to go beyond attachment to preferences in mind about one's own qualities, meaning, uh, I love my kindness and I hate my selfishness. I value only my goodness or my caring, and I hate when I get angry or f afraid or feel sad. Yes, indeed, uh, hating the distorted is a problem. The way to be free of the distorted in mind, at least, for a person, an individual, is love-wisdom, <laughs> is acceptance and understanding and forgiveness, which is not associated with hating. And that is that approach to the individual that, that Ra is, is advising for the individual to affect their own healing and balance by not staying attached to our valid preferences. Uh, I love clarity and I hate distortion. That's normal. I mean, I don't like being confused. I don't like being angry. I don't like being afraid. I don't like being self um self-critical, oh, there's that old shit again, I thought I finished that old shit long ago, people commonly feel. The only way to heal it is to more fully accept it and understand it and move to forgiveness, true. That type of <clears throat> personal, that, that type of teaching for the person to go beyond preference without losing one's values, uh, valuing love, understanding, and acceptance as a way of meeting one's own um, distorted preferential set. It all gets very subtle here. Yes, indeed, it is a way of healing. And, and <clears throat> you know, like love the sinner, hate the sin. Uh, realizing that uh, I'm suffering as the result of my karmic mm, liability, my karmic uh, troublemaking in the past... Uh, I take responsibility without hating myself and blaming myself, but I acknowledge I created this. Uh, there is some freedom from uh, hating and preference 
in that, while there's a recognition of a deeper level of preference, like continuing on the positive path, where the principles are love and acceptance and wisdom and honesty, balance and forgiveness. So putting all that together for the individual is easier than trying to teach uh, that as a means of, of ordering society. But that's that type of um, distancing from the common mind that uh, is full of picking and choosing, full of attachment to preference, even if the preferences are quite reasonable, I don't want to be confused and, and full of painful emotion. Sure, of course. Uh, we don't want jealousy and contention among the people. Sure, of course. How to affect that? Well, we, we have some value. There is, there is a deeper value that is being attached to or being clung or being, being maintained. The deeper value is, is balance and harmony and peace and well-being within the self and then within society. Of course, the question here is how to get that, how to get to that uh, durable, stable harmony in self and then here with the teaching to society. Uh, I think that at best, <laughs> a most <clears throat> generous reading of um, chapter 3 is that the intention at best is to try to apply the teachings that Ra, teachings akin to what Ra gave to the individual here to the ruler or sage or the one who's working with groups and society to get beyond a dualistic picking and choosing that's harmful while <clears throat> maintaining a deeper principle that uh, is not harmful. <laughs> All right? It's very, you know, uh, I can understand if some people are gone by this point uh, because we're talking about multiple levels of principles that appear to be contradictory. So let me <clears throat> let me go to the DC Lao translation. We may not get to four and five fully. DC Lao on chapter three says, "Not to honor men of worth will keep the people from contention. Not to value goods which are hard to come by will keep them from theft. Not to display what is desirable will keep them from being unsettled of mind. Therefore." In governing the people, the sage empties their minds, but fills their bellies, weakens their wills, but strengthens their bones. He always keeps them innocent of knowledge and free from desire, <clears throat> and ensures that the clever never dare to act. Do that which consists in taking no action, and order will prevail. So, <laughs> people who romanticize Taoism will not be so happy with this chapter, and it is a bit disturbing because it's totally supportive of fascism. And uh, Pol Pot, Khmer Rouge, and Mao Zedong sending the, the university students to the countryside for forced labor camps um, tilling the soil. Yeah, sure, it's supportive of that kind of fascism. Emptying the mind, but filling the belly, weakening their will, or... <clears throat> uh, uh, weakening their intelligence, <laughs> weakening their intelligence, weakening their will, emptying their heart, emptying their mind, strengthening their bones or sinews, 
filling their bellies sounds like the prescription for communist uh, Bolshevism. Sounds pretty sick to me. Doesn't sound nice to me. Yeah. And that's why this was this document, Tao Te Ching, was used by fascist Chinese rulers and some fascist people today, like Sun Tzu, right, is, you, is not Taoist, but includes some of these principles, the yin-yang principles of the identity, you know, the harmony of opposites. We talked about last time with Heraclitus. Harmony of opposites, uh, ident- the identity of polarity, the um, integration of contraries, the two is both two and one. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do here, or that's what the, the author or uh, is intending. Uh, but I'm certainly not supportive of uh, weakening people's will or their intelligence and basically animalizing society, making keeping them stupid, keeping the you know the clever ne'er never dare to act. Well, that's definitely problematic. So then, who do you have? You have the uh, ruler who uh, puts into jail those who are clever or those who have knowledge. Well, that sounds like communism to me and doesn't sound very uh, <laughs> very service to other or positive or benevolent or helpful to society. So, okay, <laughs> uh, we can take chapter 3 and consider that there, there seems to be some problem here, that this is sort of Taoist fascism or fascistic Taoism. Doesn't look nice to me. But there is um, there there are deeper principles here associated with uh, what we pulled from Heraclitus last week: the identity of of opposites or the integration of um, polarity, uh, recognizing the unity out of which duality and multiplicity comes. And <clears throat> it there is truth. When you highly value certain things and devalue others, then yeah, there is a lot of jealousy and there's contention between people. It's like uh, lifetime, lifestyles of the rich and famous on television, right? And shows like that, and the the um, idolization of the rich, the celebrity, um the overvaluation of the socially powerful and the devaluation of, of people with very common kind of jobs that are doing real good daily. A nurse, or a teacher, or a mother, or a grandmother, or a, a school crossing guard, uh, or a street cleaner, or a garbage picker. These are essential to society, and they're devalued. And those people are do much more good than politicians and rulers generally, yeah, who are generally service to self in this corrupted human society, where the logos sent the three D repeaters that we are now attending to, <laughs> and trying not to uh, fall into you know major distress regarding. So um, there is some problem when society overvalues materialism and uh, sets up certain standards that that are devaluing, that are overvaluing uh, either intellect, right, like science. Science is totally overvalued today. <laughs> it's the religion of the technocrats, of course. And uh, 
trusting the media. Why? Because they work for famous media, then they're honest people, they're mature people. Commonly, I look at the, the photo of mainstream media uh, writers, and, and what I see is a real chump. I see chumps all over the place, meaning dumb, dumb, dumb repeaters, the very, very common-minded people. That's why they go into journalism. <laughs> the people who are not common-minded, or some, the few, who seek really to develop their understanding, they stay out of those systems because the systems are totally controlling to the participants. you got to be a chump to be under the foot of, of a mega corporation that, that treats you like an object and will throw you away if they don't need you and if you disobey. you got to be a chump to be in a system or serve as a self. So there is truth here that <clears throat> uh, when society overvalues uh, certain qualities, and the qualities here we're talking about uh, goods and those that are deemed more virtuous, like virtue signaling, uh, and uh, materialism or uh, luxury, then yeah, it does create a lot of conflict, uh, or it it triggers, it's catalyst that leads a lot of people to jealousy and contention and frustration and envy and all that. Yeah. <clears throat> and so mm, that's part of the truth here. Uh, but then the second paragraph looks to me like communistic animalization of society. And um, I wouldn't uh, sign on to that at all. So let's go on to chapter four with this sort of set aside of the difficult to understand and questionable and potentially negatively oriented teachings of chapter 3. So let's go on to chapter 4. Uh, at the top of the page you can just uh, click on 4 in the big box um, of numbers which are chapters. So, chapter 4, Tao Te Ching, Arthur Whaley, and here we'll come back to much more common, uh, commonly <laughs> uh, associated teaching, commonly associated with Taoism. Mm, a little bit more pleasant to, to read. Okay, Arthur Whaley, Chapter 4. <clears throat> the way, the Tao, is like an empty vessel that yet may be drawn from without ever needing to be filled. It is bottomless, it is the very progenitor of all things in the world. In it, all sharpness is blunted, all tangles untied, all glare tempered, all dust soothed. It is like a deep pool that never dries. Was it too the child of something else? We cannot tell. But as a substanceless image, it existed before the ancestor, with a capital A, meaning before your ancestors and before human, uh, the god kings of uh, old in, the, in Chinese history, uh, considered to have come from heaven to bring humanity, things like irrigation and paper and writing and ink and um, astronomy or the wheel, the, the classical... Um, mythical, traditional 
ancestors of Chinese culture like Yao and Shun, uh, considered to have been, what, 4000 BC, something like that, way back, way back, before there was writing or ink or paper or the wheel uh, or uh, irrigation methods and so on, so on the mythical god ancestors came to the Chinese people and brought those gifts. And that sounds like confederation and benevolent ET assistance. So here we see, way before those ancestors, we have this substanceless image. It's formless. It's before form. Uh, it's the Tao. Was it, did it come from something? We don't know. And um, for those who are, you know, have a, a lot of familiarity with the raw material, you may notice that uh, what that this chapter sounds a whole lot like Ra talking about the law of one. And uh, let's see if I can find Ra said. If we look at, uh, here's a link for the word uh, paradox. Um, Ross saying, uh, to us there are no paradoxes. And uh, in the law of one, there is no more paradox. <laughs> The law of one is the solving of paradoxes, the balancing of light, love, love, light. Session 14. Uh, Ross saying in session 90, 9029, uh, we came to your peoples to enunciate the law of one. Is that different than enunciating the Tao? Not so much. Is the law, the law of one being what? The teaching of the awareness known in sixth density? Okay, sure. Uh, did the law of one come before the laws of free will, laws of love, laws of light? Um, yes. And that's the connection between sixth density and the logos. And so higher self in sixth density, called a sub-sub-logos by Ra. The same spark of intelligent infinity, spark of uh, the absolute creator source of all, as a solar logos, right? Galactic logos, solar sublogos, higher self, sub sublogos, and conscious mind, sub sub sublogos. Okay, same spark of divinity. What does it mean? It's a spark of intelligent infinity. Well, intelligent infinity is not a thing, so it can't uh, can't be a spark, a light, a light display with form, like a spark of light. Uh, it can take form, but it's before form. So in 9029, Ross says, we came to your peoples to enunciate the law of one. Sounds like the ancestors of Chinese history coming to bring agriculture and ink and paper. We wish to impress upon those who wish to learn of unity that in unity, or the Tao, all paradoxes are resolved. All that is broken is healed. All that is forgotten is brought to light. Uh, all that is conflicted is unified. And so... All, all the many is understood as a unity. That doesn't 
uh, negate the existence or the apparent existence and the experience of many or duality. It's simply that from a, great, a greater expanded awareness, um, there's no more paradox or contradiction, and duality is seen as a manifestation of unity. And so, <clears throat> uh, this is very much <laughs> uh, in line with or in harmony with the teachings of, of Tao Te Ching. In it, in what? In the way, or associated with the... De- so again, we can look at the way as comparable to the One Infinite Creator, or Italian Infinity, the source of all light and form and duality. We can look at the way as akin to the law of one, <clears throat> as akin to the spark of uh, logoic fire that is the essence of soul, essence of higher self, essence of a solar logos, essence of a galactic logos. It's essential, it's essential nature, it's true nature, being uh, a focalizing of intelligent infinity. So the outer way, the essence of creation being its source, right? Then we get to the nature, to the teaching that identity is true nature. Like, what are you? What is, you know, know thyself. Oh, okay, know thyself. What is self? Well, it's a word for identity, or it's synonymous with the other word called identity. What's identity? Identity could be called true nature. What's the true nature of all that is of light? Or the true nature of <laughs> of being um, what is its true nature? What is the true nature of, of a human being? Or a solar logos, or a galactic logos, or a rock, or a flower. What's the true nature? Well, uh, ultimately, its true nature is not separate from its source, or its true nature is its source. The nature of the source is the nature of all it creates. So the creator of light is the one if, is you know considered the solar logos or galactic logos, what is its true nature? Well, back to intelligent infinity, the one infinite creator. So, teaching of the Tao is a teaching on the nature of the source of all, which is also a teaching on each entity's true nature. Your true nature and, and the true nature of all existence is the same. That's called the law of one. And so, uh, it's that identity, the identity, or or the identity between a person's true nature or a each each uh, a human being's true nature, and the environment, the the true nature of the environment, and the true nature of the sun, and the and the stars and the galaxies, the true nature of all of this is the one infinite creator or the Tao, it's that identity. The identity between the true nature of a being and the true nature of the environment or the entirety of creation in which that being lives. That identity is part of the reason why some of these teachings uh, seem to be harsh. And again, this is a very, very subtle point that'll come out a little bit more in chapter 5, if we get to it. Um, The identity of your true nature as a subject, as an agent, 
and the true nature of all that surrounds you, including matter and energy and planets and solar systems and galaxies and light itself, the identity of the true nature of inner and outer, right? That's what it means. All is one. The true nature of inner and the true nature of outer is one because they're all of the same source. That is well understood here. And that is um, the basis of why some of the Tao Te Ching seems harsh. And I'm not making apologies for fascistic teaching at all. I detest it. But uh, the, the nature... You know, this is very back to Heraclitus again. Heraclitus saying that the Logos is what is in common to us all, but people act as if they have their own private understanding. This is this mistake of believing that you can play, you can live your life and play the game of life, or live the game, live the life, uh, according to whatever the, whatever the hell you want and you will have consequences just as you want is not true. Just as we were talking about before, you've got to be careful in understanding the, the, the violence of the collective, the violence of, of the social uh, statist situation that we're living in. Likewise, uh, your mind is not fully your own because the the true nature of your mind and your being is the same as the true nature of the environment. And that isn't made by your conscious mind. Therefore, there are certain dynamics that you better know because they will affect your well-being. Like the law of karma. And that's where Gautama comes in. So, <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Yeah, I'm opening lots of doors and you can explore on your own if you wish. So the Tao is empty, the Tao as, as beyond form, or that which, crea- that which form and formless arise from. The law of one as the basis of the many and the ten thousand things and duality, the two coming out of the one, the two being an appearance of the one, but before the one is the mysterium, is the... the the profound that cannot be spoken of, the Tao as intelligent infinity. Before the One, the One is the first appearance. Uh, and the One itself is illusory, because any delimitation of infinity or um, the Absolute uh, is, is distortion. Any, any definition or bounding of it is not it. And that's why we say that the Tao that can be spoken or conceived is not the real Tao. The intelligent infinity that we talk about is not the essence or true nature of that intelligent infinity or the absolute. Okay? Fine. So, the source of all um, is continually drawn from and never needs to be filled. It's, it's the infinity of potential. And therefore, it's bottomless because it has no shape. Uh, it is um, inexhaustible because it, it has no content. <laughs> it's, it's infinite potentia, infinite potentia from which all kinesis arrives or arises. And so sharp versus dull, tangle versus untangled, glare versus dull, dust versus clean, 
doesn't exist uh, at, at from that which all quality arises. It's pre-qualified. It's pre-manifest. It's pre-luminal. It's the deep pool that never dries. <laughs> was it the child of something else? Yes, it was. <laughs> it depends on what you're saying. You know, uh, the the octave. Was it the child of something else? Darn right. It's the child of intelligent infinity. Intelligent infinity. Was it the child of something else? We don't know. <laughs> Probably not. It's just what is. Now, D.C. Lao, translation, chapter 4. The way is empty, yet use will not drain it. Deep, it is like the ancestor of the myriad creatures. Blunt the sharpness, untangle the knots, soften the glare. Let your wheels move only along old ruts. Darkly visible, it only seems as if it were there. I know not whose son it is. It images the forefather of God. <laughs> so this is really classical Taoist um, phrasing. The way is empty, and therefore you can't actually say what it is. It's empty of attribute. It's pre-qualification. And yet use doesn't drain from it. It's like the sky, right? The, 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 it's like space or the sky. Yeah, the atmosphere of a planet gives us a sky. What's a sky? It's an open field. It's a field in which phenomena arise and pass away. That's actually what mind is. It's a, it's a boundless field in which um, contact, pasa, in Buddhism is made, which, because of our ignorance, avidya, leads us to tana and craving and clinging. Tana nupadana, meaning we feel there's a problem and something needs to be done. And then we form grasping attachment, grasping aversion ignorance, and we get into all sorts of trouble, and the more desire, the more stress, and then we, we uh, want to hold conditions and so on and so on. <clears throat> but uh, the nature of mind is empty. The nature of all form is preformal. Um, in personal life, it's very possible, I mean, uh, akin to, not the same as, but akin to the field of mind, chitta-kash, Nityananda says, chitta, meaning sat-chit-ananda, chit, as mind or mental process or mentality, chit-akash, akashic record, same, akash, akasha, meaning space. So mind-space, chitta-kash, mind-space, is, um, is the nature of consciousness and awareness itself. Consciousness can be understood as dualistic awareness. Awareness is sentience. It's basically the law of love. Second principle. First principle, will. Second, love or mind or sentience. Third, um, manifestation or light. One, two, three. Uh, but the, the essence of, of um, consciousness is uh, pure, unbound awareness akin to a, scintilla, a field in which uh, apparent objects <laughs> arise, apparently arise and pass away. Because actually, even the three characteristics, the three marks, Anichanata um, Dukkha, are themselves empty of attribute. And so you can't say, you have to say that emptiness is empty. 
and all attribute, including um, open non-dual field spaciousness, even now those words don't express what is. That's why, again, <laughs> uh, the 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 to talk about true nature is to miss the mark, uh, and so. <clears throat> Yet, the, the mind that we use, when a quiet mind is akin to the Tao. It's not the same, but it's akin. It's certainly resonant uh, with, with the source of form and formless. A quiet mind is akin to a clarified titikash or a open space of awareness uh, that um, spaciousness of mind or... Buddhist understanding is non-proliferation is a key understanding or a, of the goal of Taoist meditation of course, in Buddhist meditation samadhi is non-proliferation of thoughts and feelings and contents in, in awareness or mind from that greater spaciousness of uh, spacious non-grasping awareness uh, one may sense reality beyond words, beyond concept, or what is as it is. And that's very much what awakening in Buddhism is, is um, knowledge and vision of what is um, beyond fashioning or samskara, beyond interpretation, beyond um, add-ons, beyond interpreting interpreting or labeling. Um, But thought is certainly possible. (laughs) Gautama could think and speak, um, but he understood, um, you can say, uh, the true nature of all of his thinking and speaking, and sense of self, which he still had a sense of, of a self, but he knew it's illusory, meaning he could say, I am Gautama, I am this and that, he could still use the word I. Uh, so we're really talking about some interface here of Buddhism and Taoism, where the Tao as uh, intelligent infinity from a cosmological perspective is akin to the mind of samadhi or uh, calm abiding without much mental proliferation where one can experience um, something akin to non-dual awareness or selflessness beyond separative mental process thinking and defining and that's where the, t- the teaching here blunt the sharpness meaning sharp may be better than dull if you want to cut something but if you're attached to sharp you're getting into trouble uh, untangle is better than tangled you know untangled is better than knotted k-n-o-t-t-e-d sure but attachment to untangled is a problem and that's what chapter 3 before was talking about attachment to preference attachment to, to clarity attachment to virtue attachment to intelligence and wisdom attachment to uh, positive quality is a problem yeah positive qualities associated with you know what green blue indigo are good they're great and attachment to them makes trouble because um, uh, I is more than that I and freedom is more than attachment to the positive qualities that support us on the path. And so the D.C. Lao translation uh, gives the second paragraph as advice to the sage. 
blunt your sharpness, untangle your knots, soften your glare, let your wheels move only along old ruts, uh, means um, <laughs> appreciate the traditional. But you can see how um, how the translations get are quite different here, right? Uh, in the first case, again, and this is where we saw this in chapter one or two, maybe two, where Whaley is talking about the Tao and D.C. Lao is talking about the sage, or they reverse it. So whether we're talking about the Tao or the sage that seeks to be at one with the Tao, or be in harmony with, or become the Tao, um, the teaching is either of the Tao or of the person who seeks to be at one with what is, <laughs> to be uh, in harmony with the Tao, fine, either way is fine. Talking about the Tao, it's, its attributes or qualities, of course, which is not it. It's really the attributes of unity. Unity is not the Tao. It's just that in unity, we can understand... Um, in unity, we can ex understand some qualities that are associated with, what, with the source of all, which is basically resolution of paradox and duality, the um, harmonization of contraries or the identity of polarity. Yet, um, Godhead, the Absolute, Intelligent Infinity, One Infinite Creator, God, with the simple G-O-D, uh, the source of all light is beyond unity too. So, uh, sharpness helps in cutting, but when you're attached to it, you make trouble for self and other, and conflict in society. Uh, knots are problematic, it's good to untangle them. However, attachment to non-entanglement is also a problem for self and other self, particularly because then there's this picking and choosing, where we hate our distortions and we love our maturity. I love my love wisdom and I hate my selfishness and my uh, painful emotions and my ignorance. That's problematic. <laughs> and so uh, we're getting some sense here that sometimes we're talking about the Tao, sometimes we're talking about the sage who seeks to be uh, at one with it, or to resonate, harmonize fully with it. But we see some different translations. All dust soothed um, from Whaley, soothing dust, <laughs> or settling dust, equals let your wheels move only along old ruts. Well, somebody's, somebody's playing a little game there. Uh, dust soothed is not the same as let your wheels move only along old ruts. So you see, these guys are guilty. They're guilty, 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 sometimes, of uh, interpolation or adding, ad, you know, extensive add-ins. Add-ons, add-ins. It's very uncool, I think, frankly. Very uncool to do that. Meanwhile, you know, <laughs> uh, in other cases, they're, they hit the bullseye and they get, uh, you know, 10 to 10, 10 for 10 in batting a thousand or hit the ball out of the park with a perfect translation of some Chinese phrases. So you can just see how translation... Um, you got to be careful with translations. you got to be careful with everything. Take it to your... you know, consider it for yourself. I have biases, I have distortions, I have ignorance too. So... and so do you. <laughs> so, um, don't be smug and don't be gullible. Don't be a dupe. <laughs> Don't be a slug. And um, 
uh, we can just see how uh, each translation uh, regularly gives us what appears to be excellent understanding and what appears to be um, extensive and I think unhelpful add-ins from the translator himself. But this notion of the Tao and the sage as empty and therefore and non-attached, <clears throat> non-grasping, and therefore there's a sort of inexhaustibility to it um, are very helpful <laughs> to uh, consider that while good is in many ways a whole lot better than bad, there's something better than good too, and that's to be in harmony with the source of both good and bad. And that doesn't, like Ra, the law of one, they're not, they're saying, you know, rather than your people's, Ra, Don asked about nuclear weapons, and Ra said, rather than your toys needing dismemberment, which is the positive way, of course, you know, non nuclear non-proliferation, disarmament, yeah, <clears throat> if all the world could disarm and all the world appreciated the positive path and principles of love and freedom and non-infringement, disarmament would be great. But humanity, this this bunch of repeaters here, is too dull to actually appreciate win-win and the ways of love um, as better for them. Certainly, the, I mean, most people, right, the, the common people <clears throat> are not negatively oriented generally, actually. Uh, but mm, they let themselves be ruled by negatives, and they're the ones that are particularly harmful. Uh, but Ross said, rather than your toys needing dismemberment, meaning the positive way or good, your peoples need orientation, which is uh, transpolarity. Or, I mean, it's a teaching of the value of polarity. Your people need orientation, positive or negative orientation, coming from a position beyond polarity. In late sixth density, law one awareness of unity, awareness that the two comes out of the one, the two paths, um, are both expressive of the one creator and the Logos desire that entities seek and become one. So, <laughs> the one creator made the two of the two paths by free will, uh, and while the, the positive path uh, is the right way for most all souls, 90%, I'd say, uh, better than the good is the one from which all duality emerges is an awareness of the one beyond good and bad and then beyond picking and choosing but we need some picking and choosing to be free of picking and choosing or to be able to meet what we don't like in love wisdom we need some freedom from attachment to preference Meanwhile, there's a deeper level preference, which is uh, seeking to become one, which is continuing on our path, which means knowing in practice how wh what the principles of my path are, which really goes beyond uh, hated, uh, hate, hating, uh, loving and hating in a common dualistic way. Uh, I can accept that evil is, I can accept that distortion is, I don't really like them, <clears throat> but I can accept that I want to try to accept the fact that the Logos allows them all. That's a piece of work. To accept the divinity behind the continuance of evil. Why the Logos lets 
these these human fuck ups keep fucking up. <clears throat> Basically, the way is um, Orion forty negative controls the human wicked at the top of the pyramid of the Illuminati and service self. The human wicked at the top of the human pyramid control the greedy. The human greedy, oh, they basically run the human greedy. The human greedy prey upon the thoughtless. The vast sinkhole of indifference, apathy. The great apathetic, the, you know, uh, proles, <laughs> as 1984 said, the lumpen proletariat, as uh, the communist negatives say, is akin to the thoughtless. They're manipulated and preyed upon by the greedy, who are in turn are run and handled by the wicked at the top of the pyramid, who in their turn are roped in and fully manipulated by Orion and 40 negative. That's the latter of the negative hierarchy, it seems to me, and some description of what's going on here. And so, <clears throat> and yet, uh, it's all allowed to maintain or to continue by the Logos. The Logos, Godhead, allows evil its day, allows by will, by, by the principle of law, free will, and non infringement, allows negatively oriented souls to keep doing their thing where it's karmically permissible. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, this. Uh, making peace with that or understanding that deeply requires um, a whole lot of um, appreciation of the unity from which polarity ar emerges. The, the, to know the mind of the one from which the two emerges, particularly the, two, the portion of the two that we don't like. It's critical for making peace with living in this world and critical to making peace with one's own um, distortions. And that making peace with is critical to healing and being free of them. So, blunt the sharpness, untangle the knots, soften the glare, um, like a deep pool that never dries. Uh, consider, consider the essence from which, from which distortion arises. So, uh, I think that <clears throat> I'm going to have to leave it at that and not go to chapter 5 yet. Next week we'll go to 5. Uh, but I think you'll see in 5 um, this some kind of an integration that the universe is as it is. It's actually beyond good. God is beyond good. God, head, the Logos, intelligent infinity, is the source from which all that we call good and evil uh, emerged. And attachment to one side of the polarity or the other will keep us stuck. Uh, yet, the way of being unstuck requires some deeper level preference or principle by which we live, like the principles of the positive path, like honesty and acceptance. <laughs> the principles of the development in balance of green, blue, indigo. So if you want to know what the path is, know well green, blue, indigo. Heart chakra, throat chakra, third eye. That's it. Uh, but that that's a profound piece of work. 
knowing green, blue, indigo is knowing aspects of thyself, know thyself. When it's known, um, naturally mind harmonizes with it. Mind, um, the process, the, the, the dynamics and activity of mind conform with mind re- realizing itself. <laughs> That's called self-realization. So self-realization is um, a more Eastern Hindu phrasing of the oracle at Delphi saying, know thyself, which in Buddhism is uh, knowing what is, uh, which leads to knowledge and vision of release. It's basically knowledge and vision that leads to knowledge and vision of release. Knowledge and vision of what is to knowledge and vision of release from bondage bondage in the cycle of rebirth and and the release from ignorance. And so now we're looking at six and seven six, seven, eight, the the great bridge uh, out of the octave to the next. And from the highest levels of the uh, from the, the heart of the spirit complex six to the crown of the spirit complex seven, six chakra, seven chakra. Uh, the resolution of duality uh, it's the nature of that resolution and the way to that resolution is you know just what Buddhism and Taoism are talking about so I hope this was helpful Um, you can reorder it yourself you know I just doing my thing and um, uh, this was sort of like impressionism metaphysical impressionism uh, if you get the right distance to it you'll see form and order if you get very close to it the microscopic you may not find any order at all but it's quite alive <laughs> it's, you can see the brush strokes if you get real close uh, meanwhile you'll lose the sense of the forest for the detail of, of the bark uh, but if you step back you can get the lay of the land or the sense of the forest like you know proper distancing to see an impressionistic painting so i hope this was helpful next week we pick up at chapter five and probably do five six and see what happens uh thank you for being here (laughs) thank you for co-creating take good care of yourselves see you next time and good night